Welcome to the Littler Workplace Policy Institute podcast. Insider briefings on the latest legislative and regulatory developments affecting employers. Hello, I'm Marissa Dragu, attorney at Littler and member of our Littler Learning Group, or LLG. LLG focuses on innovative workplace training solutions, including, of course, compliance training. And I'm Bruce Sarchet, a Littler shareholder in Sacramento, California, and I'm also a member of Littler's Workplace Policy Institute, or WPI. WPI is dedicated to making sure that policymakers hear the voice of employers as they consider and implement workplace legislation and regulations. WPI also alerts the employer community to changes that affect their workplaces, especially here in California. That's right. And today we are here to discuss a new type of anti-harassment training, which is at the intersection of my work with LLG and Bruce's work with WPI. This type of training is called bystander intervention training. Bruce, I know you're the history buff. Can you give us a quick history lesson here? No, I thought you'd never ask. Well, as regular listeners of our podcasts know, in response to the Me Too movement, California adopted a number of new laws effective in 2019 to try and address the ongoing challenges of sexual harassment in the workplace. So we have new laws expanding the definition of who can be a harasser, limiting confidentiality provisions in settlement agreements, and several sweeping pronouncements of legislative intent regarding the appropriate standard of proof to be used in sexual harassment cases. And California also passed a number of new laws which relate to prohibited harassment training. SB 1343 actually changed the requirements for prohibited harassment training in California workplaces. So talking about training, I think it's your turn for the history lesson, Marissa. Happy to oblige, Bruce. So some years ago, California became one of the first states in the union to require that employers provide training on prohibited harassment. That law, AB 1825, required that employers of 50 or more employees in California provide two hours of harassment prevention training to managers and supervisors every two years. This year, the requirements were broadened in two important ways. First, the small employer threshold was reduced from 50 to 5. That means that the training requirement now applies to employers with only five employees. Second, all employees, not just supervisors, must be provided training every two years. Supervisors still need to receive two hours of training, but now all employees must receive one hour of training every two years. And in addition, the law in California now requires that employers provide temporary and seasonal employees with prohibited harassment training. And as we discussed in another recent podcast, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has taken the position that 2019 is a training year for all employees and supervisors, even those who received training last year in 2018. But stay tuned on that front because a bill has been introduced in the California legislature to clarify the training requirement for 2019. So there is a possibility that the requirement of training in 2019, even for those employees and supervisors trained in 2018, that that requirement could change. That's right, Bruce. And then one more thing, SB 1300, which has been called California's omnibus hashtag MeToo law, contains a single sentence which brings us here today. 
The law in California now states as follows, quote, an employer may also provide bystander intervention training that includes information and practical guidance on how to enable bystanders to recognize potentially problematic behaviors and to motivate bystanders to take action when they observe problematic behaviors. The training and education may include exercises to provide bystanders with the skills and confidence to intervene as appropriate and to provide bystanders with resources they can call upon that support their intervention, end quote. So that's quite a long quote there, Marissa, from our new law, and I've got a few questions. First, is this bystander intervention training required? So the answer to that question is actually no. The law in California simply says that any employer may provide the training, so it is optional. Got it. A second question, if this training is provided, does an employer have to provide it separately from the two hours of supervisor training or the one hour of employee training on sexual harassment in general? So the law doesn't actually say. Presumably, the topics of training which are permitted under the law and the regulations are broad enough to encompass a segment on bystander intervention within the existing two-hour or one-hour time limits. But an employer could certainly provide bystander intervention training in addition to its two-hour and one-hour training programs. Got it. So what is this bystander intervention training all about? Well, it's actually been around for a while now. So, for example, a number of years ago, this basic model was applied to attempt to cut down on drunk driving. The idea was part of a public awareness campaign that it is acceptable to take someone's car keys if you conclude that they are unsafe to drive. And it is being used today on college campuses to address potential sexual assaults on campus. So students are being given training on how to spot early warning signs of potentially inappropriate sexual conduct and how to intervene to deflect and prevent such conduct from occurring. Okay, so here's one thing that I've noticed about sexual harassment and the recent Me Too movement. It's been what, almost 30 years since the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings when workplace sexual harassment was put out front and center for everyone in the United States to see. And yet here in 2018, with the allegations against Harvey Weinstein and all that came in its wake, it's obvious that sexual harassment was still occurring in American workplaces. That's right. And persons who have studied this have identified a few possible reasons why. First, persons who are the targets of sexual harassment may respond passively to offensive conduct. They often will respond by trying to avoid the person, for instance, or by trivializing the conduct. They want the conduct to stop, but they balance that desire against the possibility of maintaining their status within the organization and against the potential for reprisals should they come forward. So if all we have is a complaint process, that may not be enough to actually stop harassment from happening. Yeah, and I think that point is illustrated by a recent court decision involving a boss and his assistant. The two of them worked together for many, many years. On Mondays and Wednesdays, she was a part-time assistant, they worked at a location where a number of other persons also worked. But on Fridays, the two of them worked largely alone at a more remote location. 
And so on Fridays, he allegedly engaged in conduct such as asking her personal questions, sending her sexually explicit emails, and touching her inappropriately, such as approaching her from behind and giving her massages on her shoulders. And he also allegedly touched her on her face and would attempt to kiss her as she would leave for the day. So the challenge was that the two of them were working at a remote location, and the situation eventually resolved when a coworker witnessed the conduct. And so it was the coworker that ended up speaking up and eventually the supervisor lost his job. That's right. The case is called Minarski versus Susquehanna County, and Marissa has provided only a brief summary of the highlights of the case, but it does illustrate the challenges which employers can face when attempting to address inappropriate conduct in the workplace. But the case also highlights the opportunities presented. If bystanders are empowered to speak up and intervene, this could be a more effective way of resolving harassment in the workplace rather than simply waiting for the target of inappropriate conduct to file a formal complaint. That's exactly right, Bruce. So, Marissa, have you, as a member of LLG, provided this type of training yet? Well, yes, Bruce, I actually have and we have. So, in fact, LLG actually includes bystander training within our anti-harassment training courses, both in California and across the country. In addition, many clients have been requesting that we expand our bystander training within the required training, and we are also beginning to see more and more interest in a standalone bystander training. And... Well, I'm encouraged by the request and the response to the training. It is a very interesting area. As we're talking about it and folks are listening, I can see how someone might think, well, what's the big deal? Of course, you say something when you see something. But you would be surprised at how often that is not done. And, of course, it's not because people don't care, but so often it's because they really don't know what to say. So, Marissa, what do we do with that? Well, we end up focusing on basic awareness of all workers, that it is not just supervisors who can speak up if they see something which is not right. In other words, all employees can and should come forward without fear of retaliation. Of course, a good complaint procedure is still important, but one way to think about this is that anybody can bring a complaint on their own behalf or on behalf of anyone else. Okay, I noticed that California's SB 1300 makes specific reference to the use of training exercises. Have you used those? Well, asking participants to engage in role-playing can be a little bit challenging. However, we approach this in several ways. One method is we use video vignettes to illustrate how bystanders can speak up. We then ask the participants to discuss what they saw, what the employees or supervisors did well in the video clip, and what might have been handled differently. And we do ask them, what would you do? Or what would you say in this instance? And oftentimes that very simple question gets a lot of silence, at least for the first few seconds. But people eventually start to figure out what they can say and what they would be comfortable actually saying in the situation. Uh, that sounds good. Any other techniques you'd care to share? Sure. We have also developed an interactive bystander training segment designed to enable participants to evaluate different levels of problematic behavior that they may observe in the workplace, and then actually practice delivering what they would have chosen as the appropriate level of an intervention response. So videos or live role players are used to present the challenging scenarios, but the responses are actually practiced and delivered in real time by the training participants themselves. Great, that sounds effective.
It is. And so we have found that it is not all about a one-level approach coming out strong and shutting down the problem. In fact, so often being a bystander is all about finding just the right level of a response for the situation. For instance, you're not going to come at a heated manager who happens to be berating a lower-level employee and demand that she or he stop their behavior immediately. So, Marissa, could someone come in and say something like, what's going on here? Or just say something to interrupt the moment, just stop the progress and give parties time to think about things and cool off. That's exactly right, Bruce. And similarly, when a coworker considers intervening when witnessing early signs of a potentially offensive conduct, it's not necessarily the most effective approach to have them immediately threatened to report the situation to HR. That makes sense. Uh, any concluding thoughts on this whole topic of bystander intervention training? Well, I think that all employers in California should consider adding a bystander intervention component to their prohibited harassment training, whether it is part of their existing compliance training or an entirely separate training. The law specifically calls out this type of training in some detail, so I think it's a good idea to go ahead and incorporate it. That's right. And I think that forward-leaning employers will consider providing a standalone training component in addition to the two hours of general prohibited harassment training required for supervisors or the one hour required for employees. That way, should something still go astray and an employer is facing a future claim of sexual harassment, the employer will be able to say that they provided not only the mandatory training, but the optional bystander intervention training as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So thanks so much, Bruce, for the discussion today regarding this new way of dealing with prohibited harassment in the workplace. Sure thing. And thank you, Marissa, for your insights. And thanks to our listeners as well. Stay tuned to Littler's Workplace Policy Institute for further information regarding trends and developments affecting employers in California and across the country. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.